Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Good morning, everybody. Great to be in God's house this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, I have the privilege of sharing the Word of God with you this morning. And uh, before I do, I, wanna, I just want to give a, 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 an encouragement to those of you that haven't been reading along with us in the chronological reading plan uh, to, to jump on board. In fact, uh, uh, one of the things we've done uh, is we have asked Bill Jordan to teach uh, that, uh, that class, the, the Discovery Bible Study class, and use... The, um, the chronological study that we're going through. So, 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 I mean, you have an opportunity to, if you come to this church, go on Wednesday nights, study the stuff you've read, then come on Sunday and hear about the stuff you've read. And so there's no excuse. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's no excuse. There's no excuse not to get into the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful, amen? The Bible says it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We need the Word of God as our foundation because the rain's going to descend, the floods are going to come, the wind's going to beat upon our house, and it's those who have built their house upon the rock, which is being doers of the Word. Amen? Amen. Those that built their house upon the rock, they're the ones that are going to stand. So I encourage you uh, to, to come on out on Wednesday nights if you haven't been coming out. Uh, we're gonna, you're going to learn how to do the DBS uh, Bible study method, the Discovery Bible study method. Basically, I mean, it's, in fact, the message I'm sharing with you today uh, is, is uh, in part, um, I've used the Discovery Bible study method. There are three questions we ask ourselves when we study the Bible. Number one, what's this teach me about God? My first point today is going to be what I learned about God as I was reading this past week. Okay? My second, the second thing that we ask ourselves is, what does it teach us about people? And so the second point is going to be what it teaches us about people. And then the third point is, how do I apply it to my life? And so, uh, so I'm, I'm, in essence, I'm using the Discovery Bible Study to preach to you this morning. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Well, before we get into the word, uh, I have a little video I want to share with you. We, we failed to, uh, to, to give a report on uh, Pine Ridge. For those of you that went with us to Pine Ridge, we had a fantastic time. Uh, we saw over 50 people be baptized. We saw God pour out his spirit. It was a fantastic thing. And, uh, and so I, I figured I'd just, uh, in, in fact, what, what we did is, is we put together a little video that I sent out to the people that uh, pray for our ministry, support our ministry, uh, just, to, just to give them a report. Figured I'd, I'd share that report with you. Uh, being, that, um, being that it's on video and, and I won't drone on and on, uh, I figured I'd just, I'd just give you the video so that you could see the report. So uh, let's share that video and then we'll get into the Word of God. Hey everybody, Pastor Doby here again. Uh, I know it's been a little while, but uh, just returned from Pine Ridge, South Dakota uh, on an outreach we did in conjunction with uh, a couple of other ministries. And I'm just so excited about, uh, about what's taking place there. I wanted to send out a brief update on, uh, on, the, on the ministry and give a report on Pine Ridge. Uh, for those of you that may not be familiar with Pine Ridge, Pine Ridge is a reservation in the southwestern part of South Dakota. And it is historically been one of the poorest counties in America for many, many years. And one of the most notorious reservations in the United States. It's a place of wounded knee, the last great massacre uh, in U.S. history, and very fresh on the minds of the people there. And so 
it, it really is a reservation that uh, needs Jesus. And so we went there just this past week and did an outreach, uh, saw over 50 people baptized, fed hundreds of meals, uh, did a basketball outreach and a skate outreach to the children, and uh, just had a great time. Like I said, Pine Ridge is one of the poorest counties in America. Uh, many, of the, many of the families live two and even three families in one home. And so we went, uh, did an outreach, saw people saved, fed, like I said, hundreds of meals, set up a tent, had three services a day, and just had a great, great outreach. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for helping us reach these people that have been marginalized, uh, these people who really, really need Jesus. And thank you for helping us do that. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And um, we hope that this is just going to be the first of many of these outreaches that we do, not only to Pine Ridge, uh, but hopefully we can uh, love Rosebud and love Yankton and love Lower Brule and love some of these other reservations like we've loved on Pine Ridge as well. And, uh, and you make it happen and you hold up our hands and I just want to say thank you for it. God bless you and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Amen. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. You made it happen. Uh, I didn't mention, we took a semi-load of food and water. I mean, you, you stepped up. And the team that you sent, they did fantastic. They represented you well. I think we need to give the team a hand as well. Amen. Great job, guys. Loved working with those guys. Just great people. Um, so so got, a, got a text. Uh, the, the, the day after we, we got home, I got a text from one of the ladies that uh, actually she's opening an orphanage there. Uh, she sent this text. Now, this is how serious this is. She sent the text. She said, great meeting this week, guys. Don't know if you've heard this or not, but a very tragic story. The night before last, which was, which was Friday night, they found Julie jealous of him. That's her name, Julie jealous of him. Uh, they found Julie jealous of him's grandson in a creek, naked, mutilated. It seemed like a ceremonial sacrifice slash backlash. A couple of 30-year-old guys that did it were from Wounded Knee. Uh, they found one of the guys so far. The other one is still on the loose. Uh, listen, this is real. This is spiritual warfare we're dealing with. And, uh, and so I just want to say, again, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for lifting up our hands and for sending us uh, because those people really need Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I, I want to say again, thank you. Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles and want to, take, uh, want, want to turn there uh, this morning, 2 Kings chapter 13. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 13. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us, uh, what we do is we read through our uh, chronological reading every week, and then Pastor John takes a portion of Scripture that we've read, and he preaches on it. Okay? So that's why it's important for you, for you, to, for you to read along with us. Um, this week... There, there are all kinds of great passages of scripture that we read, all kinds of great things that could have, I could have preached on. Uh, I was thinking about preaching on Jonah. Uh, Jonah, Jonah wanted God to curse, to, to, to curse Nineveh. Uh, the reason he wanted God to curse Nineveh was because he knew that if God cursed Nineveh, Nineveh would be wiped out. Nineveh was, was Israel's enemy. And so by him not going and preaching to Nineveh, God would curse Nineveh and thereby he would save Israel. How many of you know that's messed up thinking? That's real. I, I, mean, I mean, cursing somebody so that you could be blessed, how many of you understand that's just messed up? 
And, 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 so, and yet sometimes we talk ourselves into uh, doing the right thing the wrong way. Are you with me? And so, so I was thinking about preaching about yesterday we read Isaiah chapter 1 through chapter 4. Dude, that will preach. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1 where he says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they're going to be white as snow. Though they be like crimson, they're going to be, they're going to be as white as wool. God's speaking to Israel. Israel was God's, God's choice, God's chosen. God redeemed them. God brought them out. God raised them up. And yet, they turned from God. They went their own way. And God said, because you've, you, you've, you've gone your own way, I'm going to send judgment. I don't want to send judgment, but I'm going to have to send judgment because you worship me in vain. You offer these sacrifices and your heart's not in it. And he, and he says, I'm going to send judgment. But before I send judgment, he says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Listen, that wasn't a verse that was given to an evangelist or a pastor to talk to some sinner, some person that doesn't know Jesus, to say, hey, God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins, that, 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 that's used for sinners. But listen, that wasn't, that wasn't given to, to evangelize a sinner. That was given to a nation. Yeah. That was given to a nation that God raised up that drifted from God and God said, hey, listen, I'm going to judge you, but I don't want to judge you. I have to judge you, but my heart is in judgment. My heart is mercy. Come, let us reason together, God says. How many of you understand? That'll, that'll preach in America. America needs to hear that, that message. The thing is, that was yesterday's reading. I didn't have the time to develop it. <laughs> Takes a little while. <laughs> so, so this morning, we're going to take a look at 2 Kings chapter 13, okay? And 2 Kings chapter 13, the story about Elisha. Somebody say Elisha. Oh, listen, if you're not reading along with us, you are robbing yourself. We're reading about Elijah and Elisha. We're reading about some of the greatest men of God in the Bible, some of the greatest prophets that ever lived, prophets that did miracles, prophets that split the Jordan River, prophets that, I mean, a chariot of fire came down and took one of them up into heaven. I mean, you're talking about some pretty cool stuff. And so, and so in chapter 13, this is, this is at the end of Elisha's life. Now, there are two major prophets we've been talking about, right? Two main prophets. Uh, there's the prophet Elijah and there's the prophet Elisha. Now, if you don't know Elijah and Elisha, you'll kind of get them mixed up a little bit. Elijah's the older guy, right? Kind of like me and Pastor John. <laughs> Elisha's probably the better looking, taller, skinnier, less anointed version. <laughs> and, and, and the older guy, the older guy is Elijah. Now, now Elijah comes to Elisha one day, and he, and he throws his mantle upon him. Now, a mantle was basically, was just, just, just basically a, a garment that he wore. Like, like if, you were, if, if you were a prophet in those days, and you were walking from one town to another town, and uh, you got tired, and you decided to rest under a tree, whatever, you had, you had this, this, this garment that you could spread out. And so, so uh, it was symbolic of the anointing, the power, the, the, the call uh, upon that man's life. And so one day he comes up to this young man by the name of Elisha who's out in the field working and he's plowing. And he's got 12 uh, pairs of oxen that he's plowing. And he has this plow and he's plowing. And he comes and he throws his mantle over his shoulder, symbolic of, I'm calling you to follow me. 
as one of my disciples. He, he, he burns the plow, he slays the oxen, he offers a sacrifice to God, and he follows him. And for 15 years, the young man is following the older man. For 15 years, he is watching him. For 15 years, he is tending to him. For 15 years, he's probably making the meals, probably packing the lunches when they go someplace. He's, he's carrying the books. He's, he's, he's doing whatever the older man needs. And then finally, one day, he realizes, God, God reveals to him that the old prophet is going to be taken into heaven. God's going to, God's going to take him home. So the old prophet comes to the young man. He says, I need to go to Bethel. Stay here. The young man says, I know, I know God's taking you home. I'm not going to stay here. I'm following you. He says, no, stay here. No, 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 I'm following you. No, stay here. I don't, you're not going to dissuade me. You're not going to persuade me to stay. I'm going to follow you. So, so he follows him to Bethel. They get to Bethel. He says, God called me to Jericho. Stay here. He says, I'm not staying. He follows him to Jericho. He says, I'm going to Jordan. It's like this guy is trying to get rid of this guy. And yet he's like, he's like gum on his shoe. And he's just not going to get rid of him. So he follows him. And, and, and on his way to, to the Jordan, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And the young man says, when you go, I want God to give me twice what you have. Now this man has called fire down from heaven. This man is about ready to split the Jordan in half. This man is, has, has done some miracles that nobody had ever done before, nor, nor, nor even since. And he says, I want twice as much of what, of what you have. And he looks to him and he says, you've asked a hard thing. Not because it was hard for God to give the man twice as much, but we don't understand the weight of the anointing that that comes with the call of God. He said, you don't know the sleepless nights. You don't know the prayers I prayed. You don't know the stuff I've gone through. You don't know the pressure I've been under these last 25 or 30 years. But nevertheless, you've asked a hard thing, but nevertheless, if you see me when I go, you can have what you ask for. And so they're walking along. As they're walking along, they come close to the Jordan. As they come close to the Jordan, all of a sudden, a chariot from heaven comes, a fiery chariot. It comes right between them. Elisha goes one way. Elijah goes the other. He drops his mantle. And God takes this man up in a whirlwind. And the young man, probably laying on the ground, looks up to him, watches him disappear. And he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. It was a, it was a statement of helplessness and hopelessness. And, and the power of God is leaving Israel. He says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he looks down and he sees the mantle. Not knowing whether or not he had received the power, he takes the mantle in his hand. He walks over to the Jordan River, and he smites the Jordan, and he says, where is the God of Elijah? Listen, this man understood something. He understood that the Elijah of God may be gone, but the God of Elijah still remains. 
And I think we need to remind ourselves of that today. Men and, men and women of God go, but God remains. Billy Graham might be gone, but God is still here. I'm here to tell you uh, that, that, that we need to realize that, uh, that, that, that the God of Elijah, and, and he, splits, he splits the sea, or, or the, uh, the, the river, and he goes across on, on dry ground. Well, it's many years later. In fact, it's 50 years later. The young prophet is now the old prophet. He's laying in a bed in a room about ready to die. The scripture says from the sickness wherewith he's going to die. And a young king by the name of Joash comes in. And Joash is weeping. And he says the same thing to Elisha as Elisha had said to Elijah. And he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel. And the horsemen thereof. This man had ministered in Israel for 50 years. This man had walked with Elijah for 15. And then now for another 50 years, for 65 years, he had served the Lord. And now it was his time to go home. And the, and the, and, and the young king is, is, is beside himself. Because in his mind, this is the power of God. This is the representative of God. This is the anointing of God in the nation. And he's about ready to die. And he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel. And Elisha doesn't bat an eye. He says, get a bow. Open a window. Take the, the arrows and smite the ground. You know the story. I don't have time to, I don't have time to develop it. I, share, I, I preached that message here years ago. And so he smites the ground three times, and, 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 and the old prophet gets upset with him. He said, you should have smote it six times. You could have much more victory. But you settled for a portion when you could have had the entire thing. God, don't let us settle for less than God's best. Don't let, I pray you do not settle for less than what God has for you. So now, the prophet dies, and that's where we pick up our story. That was all just to introduce you to my scripture. <laughs> then Elisha died, verse 20 of 2 Kings 13. Are you there? Say, I'm there. If you're ready, say, let's go. Then Elisha died and was buried. And groups of Moabite raiders, another version says marauders, another version says bandit kings or bandit gangs, groups of Moabite raiders, groups of marauders, bandits, thugs, used to invade the land each spring. Verse 21 says, Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha. So Elisha has died. He's buried. Why his tomb is open, we don't know. They may have taken and, re and removed the stone because in those days, they didn't necessarily bury them in graves like we bury them. They buried them in caves. And so it, it could be that they knew where the cave of Elisha was. It was nearby. They saw, they saw the enemy. They decided just on the spur of the moment, let's move the stone. Let's throw him in there. And so that's probably what happened. But when they threw him in, the scripture says, as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived. 
and jumped to his feet. Hallelujah. God, thank you for your word. I know we look at this this morning. We say, God, what does that mean for us? And yet, Father, I believe it means so much. And I pray that you'd help us to take the principles from your word and to be doers of them, not hearers only, we pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said amen, amen. and amen. Hallelujah. So, you heard the story about the man who was on his way home from work. It was getting dark, and in fact, it had gotten dark, and it was beginning to rain. And so, rather than going the long way around, he decided to take the, cut short, uh, the shortcut through the graveyard. You heard the story? He's taking the, cut, the shortcut through the graveyard. As he's taking the, the shortcut through the graveyard, he, by chance, stumbles upon an open grave, and he falls in. As he falls in, he's trying to get out of the open grave, and he's yelling, and he's, and he's shouting, help, help, somebody help me, I've fallen in the grave, and he's jumping, trying to get himself up, trying to grab the grass on top, trying to dig his, 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 his toes in the side, trying to lift him up, but he, all to no avail. After about 35 or 40 minutes of this, he grows tired, and he decides, I'm never going to get out of this grave. I might as well just sit down. And I, and I might as well just wait for tomorrow morning when the, when the, when the grave diggers come, they'll, they'll, they'll find me and they'll lift me out. And so he sits down in the corner. About a half an hour later, guy's drinking at the bar. Guy decides he's going to go home. As he's, as he's headed home, uh, he decides to take the same shortcut through the same graveyard. So he's taking the same shortcut through the same graveyard, falls into the same grave. Does the same thing. He's yelling, help, help. And he's jumping and he's, and he's trying to grab the top. He, he, he can't grab the top. He's trying to claw his way out. He can't claw his way out. After about 15 minutes, he, he stops and he's standing there and he hears a voice behind him. Which says, you'll never get out of here. I've tried and tried. You'll never get out of here. But how many of you know he did? Hello. Come on, somebody. And, and, and he had a little bit of encouragement, and he got out. Hallelujah. See, see th this morning as we look at this story, some of, you, some of us are like that. Some of us have fallen into a grave, and we need some help out. We take a look at this story in 2 Kings chapter 13. They threw this man into the grave. His body hits Elisha's bones, and he comes alive. You see, as we read the story of this guy, who found himself in a grave, and he got out. We read the story of Elisha, who's, who, 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 or this, 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 this man who was dead, whose friends were on their way to bury him. And then a band of Moabite raiders come along, and there was supposed to be a funeral service, but it turned into a resurrection service. And some of us, we might feel like that, like that man. We might feel like that dead man. We might feel like we're on our way to our funeral service, because we're at a dead-end job, in a dead-end marriage, living a dead-end life. But I believe this morning God wants to interrupt our dead-end life, and he wants to turn our dead into resurrection. He wants to give us power today. You see, we're going to come into contact with the power of God. Just like those friends brought this man to be buried and threw him in a cave, somebody has brought us to a place where we've been discarded. Someone is trying to dispose or get rid of us, set us aside, but they have no clue that throwing us into the hole is going to produce something powerful.
Throwing us into a cave is going to give us new life. They thought they were going to bury you, but they were just planting you as a seed. They had no clue that there was resurrection power in the grave. There's resurrection power in the hole. There's resurrection power in the cave. God says there's a resurrection that's about to take place this morning. There are dead dreams, dead plans, dead visions that are coming back to life. You're going to come into contact with the power of God like you've never come into the contact with the power of God before. You're walking in death, but God says you will not stay dead because today you're going to touch something that has power, something that has anointing, something that can give you life. Today, you're going to run into the resurrection power of God. You see, there are three truths that I find in this story. The first one, I take a look. I say, what's it teach me about God? The second one, what's it teach me about people? The third one, what's it te- how can I apply it? So the first one is this. God is faithful. Some say God is faithful. God is faithful. Turn to your neighbor tell him God is faithful. God is faithful to his promise, even if you're not around to see it. Let me say that again. God will be faithful to his promise, but you may not be around to see it, right? Where do you see that? I see that in God promising the power, giving the power to Elisha. When Elisha looked at Elijah and said, I want twice the anointing that you have, twice the power that you have, he said, it's going to be hard, but if you see me when I go... Then he smote the river and parted the waters. And from that moment on, he knew that he had what God gave him, what he asked for. That he had that double portion. And when you read the story of Elijah, Elijah performed 18 miracles. Elisha performed one shy of twice that. He performed 35. And so they buried him. And I suppose if, if I asked God for twice as much and my predecessor did 18 miracles and I did 35, I'd be good with that. Right? I'd say, I got, I got what I asked for. I got twice as much. But not really. Because there are some that would look at that and go, well, you almost got twice as much. But you really didn't get twice as much. So he's laying in that bed. He's staring up at the ceiling. I don't know that, he, that he's even wondering about it. I don't know that he even looks back and he thinks about the time in which he asked God for the double portion. I don't know that he's counting the miracles that he's done in, 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 in comparison to the miracles that Elijah has done. I doubt that he is. But God is. God's watching. And God said, you asked for twice as much. Not for 98% as much, or, or not, for, not for 198% as much. You didn't ask for 180% as much. You asked for twice as much, 200% as much as what your predecessor had. And so what happened? The man dies. The man is buried. And two years, three years, four years, who knows how long it is. We know that it's long enough to, 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 for, the, for, for Elisha to decay. His bones are exposed And so as he's laying there years later, somebody throws a dead body into his tomb. And there's so much power in the bones of the old man 
that the man comes alive and God performs the, 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 the second, the 36th miracle that is needed for exactly twice as much. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. I, I don't know the promise that God's given you. I don't know the dreams that God's given you. I don't know what God has spoken to your heart. I don't know that you'll ever see it, but I'm here to say that if God has spoken something to you, God is going to fulfill it whether you see it or whether you don't. God said to Abraham, look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, every place the sole of your foot has, has tread upon everything that you see. Take a look at the stars. Count, try to count the sand. So much are going to be the people that come from you. And Abraham died. He didn't see it. As far as Abraham knew, he just had a few descendants. But years later, we look and we see that his descendants are as the stars of the sky, as the sand of the sea. And God gave them the land that God said he was going to give them. Why? Because God is going to fulfill his promise. God is a faithful God, even if you're not around to see it. Come on, somebody. God gave this man a promise, and God fulfilled his promise. And sometimes God will give you a promise, and you may not, you may not see it. You may not see it right away. Because you go through light, and you go through darkness. And you go through light, and you go through darkness. And there will be dark times in our lives. And in the dark times of your life, don't doubt in the dark what you need to be true in the light. If God gave you a promise in the light, don't doubt it in the dark. See, the problem with us is when God gives us a promise, we think it's going to happen by Tuesday. Right? And when it doesn't happen, sometimes it doesn't happen by the next Tuesday or the next Tuesday or the next Tuesday or a year from now or two years from now or 10 years from now. And we start thinking, well, I guess, I guess God's not going to fulfill that promise. And we stop believing. And we start doubting. And the enemy comes in. Right? David Wilkerson, one of the, one of the great prophets of this past several years, he wrote a blog. He wrote a, he, he wrote a devotional. And, and in his devotional, here's what he wrote. He said, sometimes God gives you promises. And those promises arrive almost stillborn. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm ad-libbing. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm setting this up. But in, in, this, in this document he wrote, he said, a loved one is facing death. And the doctors give no hope. Death seems inevitable. Hope is gone. The miracle you prayed for is not happening. And that's when Satan's hordes come to attack your mind with fear, yeah. anger, and overwhelming questions. That's when the devil says, where is your God now? You prayed until you had no tears left. You fasted. You stood on promises. You trusted. And then he fills your mind with blasphemous thoughts. Prayer has failed. Your faith has failed. Don't quit on God. Just don't trust him anymore. Because trusting God doesn't pay anyway. He says things like, are you sure this God of yours is even real? You see, these have been the devices of Satan for generations. And he says that some of the godliest men and women who ever lived... We're under such demonic attacks. 
And then he says to those going through the valley in the shadow of death, hear this word. Weeping will last through, the, through some dark, awful nights. And in that darkness, you will soon hear the Father whisper, I am with you. This was not an accident. I cannot tell you why right now, but one day it will all make sense. You will all see that it was part of my plan. Now listen to this. He writes and he says in this blog, God speaks and says, this is not an accident. What you're going through is not an accident. God says, I cannot tell you why right now, but one day it will all make sense. And you will see that it was all part of my plan. I know we look at this and we read this and we think, man, that's a great blog. That's a great word of encouragement. But we fail to understand that this was published the day that he was driving down the road with his wife and his car lost control and he went across the median and he ran head on to another car and he died instantly and his family was reading this the next day and they read, this is not an accident. God says, I can't explain it right now, but one day you will understand in the darkness Trust God when it doesn't work out the way you think it does. It should trust God because God is still in control. God is faithful and God will not fail you. God's like the sun, right? The sun is shining all the time. That's what the sun does. The sun just stands and shines. The sun was standing and shining this morning when you woke up. The clouds will come and the sun will still shine. The sun's going to shine today. It's going to shine tomorrow. It's going to shine next Tuesday. Because it's, it, it shined a thousand years ago. And it shined during the time of Jesus. And it's going to shine next week and next month and next year and the next decade, should Jesus tarry, and a hundred years from now and a thousand years from now, the sun's still going to be standing there shining because that's what the sun does. Well, if the sun is still is shining all the time, how come it is that we, that we walk in darkness? Oh, we know. Because the sun is standing and the earth is revolving around the sun. I'm not going to do that too much. <laughs> but we revolve around the sun, right? And we're, and, and, and we're on this axis. And as we're on this axis, we are turning on our axis. And sometimes as we turn on our axis, we are away from the sun. We are turned away from the sun. And when we're turned away from the sun, darkness sets in. And when darkness sets in, we take advantage of that. We sleep and that's all good. But see, some of you are walking in darkness right now. And you're saying, God, where are you? God, I don't see you. And it's not that God has moved because God hasn't moved. The thing is, we've turned away from God. And we're looking outside. And we're looking to other things. And when you turn away from God, it becomes dark. But if you'll just turn around you'll see God is there. The light will come in. Strength and faith and power will come back in. Why? Because God is a faithful God. He will not fail you. So the thing I learned about God in the scripture is God is faithful. Some say God is faithful. 
I got 42 seconds left. But God is faithful. I can do this. Hallelujah. I'm going to get you out of here sometime today. The second thing, not only is God faithful, what do we see? God is faithful, and there are gifts that we can take to the grave. Where do you see that? Look at this. As soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. There was a mantle we saw that had been given 50 years earlier. There was an anointing, a power. And my question to my wife as we were, as we were driving down the road yesterday was, was why was there still power in Elisha's bones? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, I've, I've heard this preached on. I mean, I, I've heard this uh, referred to, but I've never heard anybody preach on it. So, so I had to take a look at it and say, 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 why was there power in the dead man's bones? And, and, and the only thing that I could come up with, in fact, there are two things. One I came up with, one my wife came up with. Which one do you want to hear first? Probably my wife's, right? Because it's probably the better one. But the thing that I came up with was the reason he still had power was he took the power with him to the grave. He failed to give away that which God had given him. He took his gift to the grave. And she said, well, why do you think he took his gift to the grave? I said, well, maybe, maybe, he, just, maybe he just failed to pass it on. Maybe, maybe Elijah really didn't teach him how to pass on the mantle, how to pass on the baton, how to pass it on from one generation to the next generation. She said, or... Maybe there was no one like him because he pursued the man of God and he said, I want your mantle and I'm going to dog you and I'm going to chase you down and I'm going to knock on your door and I'm going to text you at midnight and I'm going to call you and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get on your Facebook and I'm going to say, I want your mantle, I want your mantle, I want your mantle, I want your mantle and I'm not going to let you rest until I get your mantle. And I thought, where is the generation who is hungry enough? Where is the generation who is longing enough? Where is the generation that has a desperation that says, God, I don't care what it takes. I want to see the power of God. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see the things that I read in the Bible. I'm sick and tired of going through the motions. God, I want something real. Yeah. Where's that generation? And maybe it's both. Maybe, maybe this generation doesn't know how to pass it on. Or maybe the other generation doesn't know how to ask for it. Whatever the case, the man took his gift to the grave. I heard a man of God recently say this, the wealthiest place in the world isn't the gold in the diamond mines of South Africa. The wealthiest place in the world isn't Fort Knox. The wealthiest place in the world is not the oil fields of Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, or the silver mines of Central America. But the wealthiest place on earth 
is the graveyard. Because in the graveyard, there are songs that were never sung. There were books that were never written. There were sermons that were never preached. There were films that were never made. There are marathons that were never run. There are acts that were never played out. There are magazines that were never published, businesses that were never opened, visions that were never became realities. There are ministries that no one started, dreams that no one pursued, ideas that never were carried out, inventions that were never mass produced, and campaigns never run, and sermons never preached. He said the wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard. And then he encouraged us, don't take your dreams to the graveyard. Don't take your vision. Don't take your anointing. Don't take your blessing. Don't take that portion which God has given you to the grave with you, but pass it on to somebody else. Hey, I, when I die, I want to die empty. Amen. I want to die having it left it out on the field, having given it away. I want to die yes. and take nothing with me to the grave. So yep. You see, this man died and he took with him to the grave. Elisha failed to pass on his anointing like his predecessor. Don't die. And take it to the grave with you. There's a whole generation that's coming that needs to hear what you have to say. They need to receive what you've got inside of you. Don't take it to the grave. And the last thing I said, and I already gave it to you, so we're done. The man of God may die, but the God of the man lives on. He struck the water with Elijah's, Elijah's cloak and he cried out, where's the God of Elijah? Joshua needed to know that Moses may be dead. But the God of Moses is still alive. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a throne. Isaiah needed to know that Uzziah might die, but the God of Isaiah is still on the throne. And if you've been around for any length of time, you've seen men of God come and go. We watched them bury Billy Graham. We watched them bury Oral Roberts. We watched them bury... Reinhard Bonnke. We watched him bury some of the great men of God of our generation, Adrian Rogers. We watched as others went off the scene, whether they be the Jimmy Swaggerts or the Ted Haggards or the Jim Bakers. We've seen these men depart from the scene. As a young man, I watched my own pastor who led me to the Lord backslide. I watched my friends one by one fall away. And, 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 and if I would have looked to them and thought that the power of God and the grace of God rested upon them, and if they can't do it, neither can I do it, I would have fallen away a long time ago. But I decided a long time ago that the God of Billy Graham is still alive. The God of Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts might be dead, but the God of Oral Roberts is still alive. One day, Dobie Weasel's going to die. One day, John Weasel's going to die. One day, uh, every one of us are going to die. Maybe, maybe for you, it was your mother. Maybe for you, it was your father. Maybe you looked at them and you said, man, I, I just want to serve God like they serve God. But they died and you thought, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, what can I do now? One day, that might happen. But remember what this preacher says. This preacher may die. But the God of this preacher lives on. Mama may be dead, but the God of mama is still alive. Hallelujah. 
My daddy may have gone to be with Jesus, but the God of my daddy is still alive. You have a promise. Don't doubt God that it's going to happen. You have a gift. Don't take it to the grave. Realize that God is alive today to comfort your heart, to perform a miracle, to forgive your sin. What would happen if we all decided that we're going to step out and use the gifts that God gave us? Right? We could change the world. What would happen? What would happen if we decided to take God on his promise? What would happen? What would it look like if we decided to believe God that God... Billy may be gone and Oral may be gone, but you're still the God who brings revival to a nation. What would happen if we decided to take God at his word and say, God, you're still alive. You fulfill your promises, and I will not take my dreams to the grave. Amen. Don't take your gifts to the grave. One last quote. Miles Monroe said this. He said, don't die old. Die empty. That's the goal of life. I love it. Don't die old. Die empty. That's the goal. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Hallelujah. God, I've done my best. And that's all I can do. And I pray, Lord God, that your hand overshadowed everything that this preacher said. Because, Lord, I believe that there are people that are being carried to their grave. They're being discarded into a cave. It's like they're living in death. And they're being, they're being let down, as one version says, let down into the grave. Father, people are letting them down on every side. And yet, Lord, you brought them here today to come into contact with the bones of Elisha with the power of God, with the gift of God that's still resident within the body of Christ. And so today, Father, we pray that, Lord, you would raise people up, that you would break every lie of the enemy, that you would pour out your spirit, and, God, that you would encourage your people to know, Father, that you're going to keep your promise because you're a faithful God. That's who you are, and that's what you do. And Lord, I pray that we would not take our dreams, we would not take our vision, we would not take our gifts to the grave with us. But Lord, I pray that you would help my generation to pass it on and help the next generation to pick it up. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. And may, may, we, may we throw it on them if we have to. Yes. Father, even if they don't want it, even if they run from it, let, let, let us throw that mantle on them. And yet, Father God, I pray that there'd be some young people who would not run from it, but they would hunger for it. And they would say, God, I want the mantle. I want the power. I want the blessing. I want everything that the man of God has. And they would dog us. They would hound us. They would, they would call us. They would text us. They would, they would grab a hold of that mantle and pull it off our shoulders. God, I pray in Jesus' name, raise up some young people like that. Raise up a generation that hungers and thirsts for the things of God. And Lord, I pray today that as we look into your word, again, where, we say, where is the God of Elijah? Lord, Elijah may be gone, but Lord, we thank you that you're still alive. So our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. Can I ask you, how many of you would lift up a hand and say, I need a touch from God this morning?
I need a miracle from God. I need God to bless me. I'm hungry. I want more. Pastor, what you're preaching on, that's exactly what I need. Hallelujah. Listen, if you, if you need a touch from God, if you need a miracle, if you need the power of God in your life, look at me. Look at me. I know we don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it today. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come real quick, but if you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to come right now, wherever you're at. If you need healing, if you need the power of God, if you need a touch from God, if you raised your hand just now, I want you to come. Come on, don't wait for these guys to get down here. Just come on down. Because we're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. We're just going to turn this into old-fashioned Holy Ghost prayer time. You stick around as long as you want to stick around. If you need to go, God bless you. But listen, there's a mantle. There is a gift. Don't take your gift to the grave. And if you need a touch from God, I want you to come. Come on, if you raise your hands, I want you to come. I'm not going to pull your, I'm not going to pull teeth. If you need a touch from God, I'm going to ask you to come. Hallelujah. If not, God bless you. You can be dismissed. But we're going to pray for everybody that needs, that, that, that needs a touch and everybody that comes. Everybody that wants to be anointed by God, I want you to come. And we're going to pray the anointing of God upon your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things. Helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals. And we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ.